What a beautiful prayer that is. Jesus, keep me near the cross. And I pray that that's our prayer every day, that we will ask him to keep us near the cross and really realizing what he's done for all of us. Thank you for being here today. We're glad you've joined us for worship. Uh, we are glad you've chosen to worship this church family if you are a guest. And if you are a guest, there's a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. We invite you to go by there afterwards, pick up one of the bags on the end of the, of the uh, Welcome Center, and inside it is a gift and some other information. But we are so glad all of you all are here today. Whether you're in the sanctuary, whether you've joined us by live stream, we welcome you. And we, as always, we pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him in spirit and in truth. Why don't you take a minute to greet those around you, and then we're going to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
beautiful song with the great message. Think about what the Lord said in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And today, to be still in the busyness of our lives and hectic schedules, that we can be still and just acknowledge who God is and how great God is and our need of Him when the world pushes us and shoves us, when our problems overwhelm us, when our sins tempt us that we are still and know how powerful and how great God is. And every week I'm so grateful that there's an opportunity for us to pray together. There's power in prayer. And if you don't believe in prayer, I pray that God would touch your heart, open your heart to understand that there is power in prayer. And the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And I'd invite you, if you feel led this morning, to come to this altar. You can kneel, you can stand, you can stand or pray from your seat. But this is a time for us to acknowledge how great God is and how much we need Him in our lives. So at this time, I invite you, and if you're watching on live stream today, you can pray wherever you are. But I'm going to invite you to come join me as we pray together. 
May we pray together, God, we have come singing Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have come acknowledging that we need to be still in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hectic, busy schedules, in the midst of our worry and our doubt and our fear and our sin, to acknowledge just how great you are and how powerful and greater is you that is in us than he that is in the world. And we come today to worship the only one who is worthy to be praised, the only one who is worthy to be glorified, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we come lifting up many prayer needs, many at this altar, others praying, God, from their seats or praying at home or wherever they may be. We believe that you are still the Lord of miracles. And I pray, oh God, that a fresh move of your Holy Spirit would cover every single one of these needs. Father, we pray for people grieving. Father, I pray for Shelly Eagle and the loss of her father and ask that you would comfort her family and strengthen them in their loss. Father, I pray for Jerry Sanderson going through tests. Father, we pray for a good report. Bless her and her family. Father, we pray for so many on our prayer list who are going through treatments and battling illness. And maybe doctors have said there's nothing else we can do, but Lord, we know all things are possible for those who believe. And if it is your will to bring healing, we pray that you would do so, so that your name might be glorified and people might come to Christ as a result of your power. And Father, I pray for families that are hurting. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's in a relationship, a parent with a child. Maybe it's in a relationship, a brother and a sister. Reconcile differences, God, and bring peace and healing, I pray. Father, we pray continued prayers for Ukraine, for a hedge of protection to be around them. Father, that you would convict, Father, the hearts of those inflicting harm. Father, I pray for our country and our leaders for wisdom and guidance and protection of our country and revival and spiritual awakening in our nation because we need it. And I pray, oh God, today, if there would be anything in me, anything in us, anything in our hearts, that's not pure, that's not holy. Remove it as far as the east is from the west and remember our transgression no more. Lord, if there are people watching or people here who have never given their hearts and their lives fully surrendered to Jesus, that today might be the day of salvation for some, for many, or Christians would renew their vow of commitment and come back to you. Oh Lord, we need you every moment of every day. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit now would just fill this place, sing and play through our musicians and instrumentalists, speak through your word and through your servant and that your voice might be heard 
and our lives might be transformed. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things by faith in the strong and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 14? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful again for all of our musicians being here today and the beautiful music. And the choir will be coming to lead us after the reading of God's Word. Thank you all for being here today and leading so beautifully. Begin with verse 25 of John chapter 14. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
thank you all for that powerful message and for leading so beautifully. Before I get into the message, I failed to mention that this week is the week of prayer for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. These uh, funds uh, that we will be giving on April the 10th, which is our annual Walk to the Cross, will go to support North American missionaries. So uh, there are envelopes as well as a pamphlet to guide your prayers for this week. So if you want to pick one up on your way out, that would be great to be in prayer for these folks who have given their lives to serve the Lord and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's the Annie Armstrong, uh, the North American Mission Board, Annie Armstrong uh, offering, if you would be in prayer about that. But I always like to start with a little humor uh, at the beginning of a message, and little is the key word. But I uh, had a friend that text me this week and said, I've had a really strange day. He said, I was walking down the street and I found a hat full of money. And he said, and then the next thing you know, an angry man carrying a guitar is chasing me. <laughs> Two blinds were driving to Disneyland. They saw a sign that said, Disneyland left. And so they began crying and they turned around and went home. Do I keep going? Does it get better with the <laughs> stop while I'm behind? If you're like me, you've been watching a lot of basketball maybe over the last several days or the last few weeks. And maybe if you've been watching some of these games, you've heard the phrase or the expression, a game changer. Have you ever heard that expression before, a game changer? When we look at the definition of game changer, it is something or someone who affects the game in a, in a very important way. It's something or someone that actually affects the results of the game in a very big or special way. A team might go to a zone instead of a man-to-man -man defense. That could be called a game changer. Or maybe a, a player is inserted into the game that instantly makes a, a big impact. You, you would call them a game changer. Last week, we began a sermon uh, series called The Promises of Easter. And in this sermon series, we are looking at some promises that Jesus made before going to the cross for the crucifixion and before the resurrection. And we learned last week that Jesus was talking to his disciples who were very troubled and very afraid because he was telling them that he was only going to be with them for a little while longer. And then they would not see him. And, and where he was going, they could not follow now. But they would eventually follow him later. And they were troubled. Do you remember the first promise we discussed was the promise of a place? a better place, and I'm talking about heaven, and I hope that we all long to be there one day, that we would prepare ourselves to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and other loved ones who have known him to be in heaven one day. But today in our scripture passage, we see once again Jesus still in the upper room with his disciples, preparing them again 
and talking to them yet about another promise. And this promise was of a person. And this person is called the Holy Spirit. When we think about the Holy Spirit, we look in the Old Testament and the Spirit of God was mentioned over a hundred times in the Old Testament and over 250 times in the New Testament. And we look at the Spirit of God in the Old Testament as being more task-driven. Even at creation, we saw the presence of the Spirit of God. But then we look in the New Testament, and the Spirit of God is more people-driven. We think about Peter after the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preached that first Spirit-breathed message and the New Testament church was born. So we know that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who's part of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit are so vitally important to us as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus used the Greek word for Holy Spirit, which is parakletos or paraclete. And it actually means helper. And if you look at the verb part of that word, it actually means to come alongside. The Holy Spirit was given to us to be a game changer, to be the one who would make a dramatic impact on our lives, to give us victory in our daily walk, and to show us how to please God by doing his will. The Holy Spirit is a game changer for us to come alongside us. And so Jesus, when he was making this promise to his disciples, he was saying, look, even though I'm going to be leaving, you don't need to be troubled and you don't need to be afraid and you don't need to be stressed because I'm going to be sending someone who's going to be with you and to take care of you. And we know that Jesus, one of his names when he was born was Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So he leaves us the Holy Spirit to come alongside us. He comes alongside us, first of all, as a counselor, as a counselor. We read in in verse 26 of our scripture passage, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things. And we look back in in verse 16 of John chapter 14, it says, and then I will, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate or counselor to help you and to be with you forever. So we know that the counselor, the advocate, is a legal term. We think about a counselor or an advocate helping people that are in trouble with the law. And many of us struggle with our sin. And we struggle with the the laws that many times, God's laws that we break on a daily basis. But he sends the, the counselor or the advocate to give us godly counsel, to give us godly wisdom. I don't know if you have people that you seek counsel from or or you seek godly advice that you know 
that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and you really pay attention to, to what they say because you know God can speak through them. I think about what Henry Blackaby, who wrote that discipleship study that many of us have been through called Experiencing God, he said that God speaks to us in a variety of ways. He said, in the present, he speaks to us primarily through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, and the church. Maybe you feel as though the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit has been guiding you and directing you. Many times you hear me quote out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Did you all know that I pray every single day that God would help me to lead my earthly family and this church family to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, that we would never run ahead of Him nor lag behind Him or get out of step with Him, but that we would keep in perfect step with His Holy Spirit. I challenge you to pray that too that you would ask the Lord to lead you and your family to keep in step with the Holy Spirit as I pray that he would guide this church to keep in step with his Holy Spirit. And we would go back up a few verses in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which shares the fruits of the Spirit. Did you know that when we give our hearts and lives to Christ that the Holy Spirit comes in us? And you say, well, how do I know if the Spirit of God is in me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And if you are trying to live for the Lord and you're trying to keep in step with Him, then these fruits must be evident in our lives. That's why we pray over this sanctuary every Wednesday night at our prayer meeting. The seats that you're sitting in today have been prayed for, whether it's in the pews or in the balcony or in the choir loft or in the Sunday school classrooms or in the hallways, the foyers, the parking lots. We've even prayed that the Holy Spirit would anoint the roadways that draw people here. To know that the Spirit of God can do what we cannot do. The Holy Spirit counsels us, comes alongside, uh, beside us as a helper. But not only does the Holy Spirit come as a counselor, but the Holy Spirit comes as a convictor. And if you would look at the second part of verse 26, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Well, the Holy Spirit also convicts us. When we know the teachings of Christ, and we know that he's teaching us to love, to, to serve, to forgive, to, to pray, and, and to do all these things, it's his truth. And when we are following the Holy Spirit, then when we realize that we're doing something wrong, we are convicted. 
This is more than just the conscience. I believe it's the Holy Spirit convicting us. And you look in, in John chapter 16, verse 8. It says that when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. The late great evangelist Billy Graham once said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict God's job to judge, and it's my job to love. And I think that's a pretty good saying. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's God's job to judge, and it's our job to love people. And I want to ask you today, have you been convicted of maybe some sin in your life? You know that something you've been doing, something you've been saying, something that you've been uh, living out in your life is not glorifying and pleasing to God. Maybe it's an addiction that you struggle with. It's gotten the best of you. Your husband, your wife have told you, your parent has told you, and it keeps dominating you and dominating you. The Holy Spirit maybe is convicting you that you need to stop before it's too late. Or maybe you're here today and you've been talking, saying things you ought not be saying. I think about what Paul said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. And we must all acknowledge that our words can be hurtful. That old saying, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'd rather be punched in the arm than by a punch with words that are hurtful or not true. And so we must ask the Lord, convict us if my words are not edifying, glorifying. Or maybe your actions, you've been doing something to someone or some ones that you know are not Christ-like. And they don't jive together. You're saying you're a Christian, but you're acting a whole nother way. We don't need to give people another reason to not want to come to church when they see hypocrites, when you're trying to act like you're this person, but you're living differently. We don't need to give people another excuse to not want to come to God's house. One of the things I've loved about Fort Velcorn Church is that people have said when they've come into this place, that I feel, and you all have heard me say this recently, I feel an excitement, I feel an energy, I feel, uh, I can't quite express it, I, I don't know what it is, and I said, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I've had people to come by after a sermon and come up and shake my hand, and they said, were you looking at me during the sermon today? And I've said, no, I mean, I try to, Scan the crowd and look at everybody. I said, have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> I had another to say, have you bugged my phone? Because you hit me right between that. And you know what I've said? I was not, but the Holy Spirit was. When you feel like there's nobody else in the room and it's zeroing in on you, that's the Holy Spirit. There have been people that have come and been convicted and they've left the service in tears and not come back because they knew the Lord was speaking to them and convicting them, but they would rather continue to live a life in disobedience than to come to the Lord and have to repent and give up the things they know are not pleasing or glorifying to Him. I'm so grateful that, that Jesus and God 
partnered together. The Holy Spirit came in Jesus' name to be a counselor, to be a convictor of our sin. But also he came alongside us to be a comforter, to be a comforter. You look in verse 27, Jesus said, My peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When he says, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, this was not just a world uh, hope, wish that things go well for you, but it was the truth of God's word. My peace I leave you. We all long for peace, don't we? We all want to have a peace in the midst of this crazy world in which we live and all the junk that we go through on a daily basis. People self-medicate because they're trying to find peace and relief. That beautiful song, we just seem to be still when we feel life caving in around us and know that, that he is God and to know that he is in control even when things very much seem out of control. And I think about what Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven after giving the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Do you remember what he said in verse 20? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said, never, in Hebrews 35, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And maybe you're here today and you need God's comfort and and you want to reach out to him. You, you don't know quite how to do it or what to say. I think about what Paul wrote in Romans 8, 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we do not know how to pray, the Spirit himself will intercede for us with groans that words cannot express. Did you know that? Even when we don't know how to pray or what to say, the Holy Spirit intercedes. That means he speaks on our behalf and he comforts us. I'd be willing to say there are many of you here today that need comfort. There are many of you here today that need peace. And you've been looking for it and you haven't been able to find it because you've been looking in all the wrong places. Only he can bring peace into your life through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've never given your heart and life to him, why not? If you're waiting before you feel worthy or if you're waiting before you get your act together, get your life cleaned up, then you're going to be waiting for a long time. That's why we come to him just as we are. We're all sinners for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm so grateful for his mercy and his grace that covers a multitude of our sins. You know, another name for a, for a blanket, I guess, or a quilt would be a comforter, isn't it? That covers us, you know. I've enjoyed watching basketball, I'll turn the, the gas logs on and put a blanket around me and it's, 
it's all good and they need a snack. You know, it's. I shared with you all recently that we have a wonderful ministry at this church that's called the Prayer Shawl Ministry. You've heard me mention that. So grateful that Sue Ann McCullum, one of our sweet members, began this ministry, and many of you now participate and will come on a Friday, and they will knit or crochet prayer shawls. They're praying as they, every stitch, they're praying. And these prayer shawls go to people that are in the nursing home, people that are uh, maybe in a retirement home, people that are had a newborn baby, people that are recovering from surgery, people that are struggling in some area, they have a, have a prayer shawl that's delivered to them. Uh, we've heard so many, I think there have been over 1,600 prayer shawls given to people during this time. You all may or may not know that about a week and a half ago, or I guess just a little over a week ago, my father-in-law had a back surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, he and, and we were kind of nervous about this. Sir, he was in a lot of pain, bent over in pain uh, that he was enduring. And I'm so grateful that our prayer shawl ministry, I think Martha Armstrong delivered a prayer shawl to my mother-in-law, Phyllis, who took it home to my father-in-law. I went to, we went to visit Bill the other day. We couldn't be there at Cleveland with him during the surgery, and I give God the glory that the surgery went well, and I guess he received it before the surgery. And my mother-in-law, Phyllis, said he wouldn't take that prayer shawl off. And my father-in-law is a big old guy, you know, a hunter, a fisherman, a man's man, you know. Well, he's covered with this prayer shawl. We went to visit them when they came home, went into his bedroom. My father-in-law not only had it around him, he had it over him. He had it over his head like he was, you know, somebody from Star Wars, you know, Dark Sidious or something. You know, it, He had it over him like Mother Teresa. He had him covered. And he's been clinging to that. You know why? Because it represents the comfort that only God can give. And I know it's a symbol, but it's a symbol of the comfort and the peace that God can give you and me today. And I don't know what's going on in your life in a room this size and with people watching. I know some of you are struggling today. You're hurting. You're, you're having financial problems. You're looking for work. Your marriage is on the rocks. You have a rebellious child. You, you have anger toward the church. You've got something going on in your life. And until you give it up to God, you're not going to feel peace. He wants to cover you today. He wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to guide you. He wants to convict you. He wants to save you. But you have to be willing to let him. I love what Jesus said in John 6, 44. It says, unless the Father draws him... You cannot come to him unless the Father draws. How does the Father draw? Through the Holy Spirit. That's how we're drawn to Jesus, through his Spirit. And if you feel him drawing you today, don't hold back. Let him have his way. 
as we pray together. Lord, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are folks here that are struggling, hurting, looking for wisdom and godly counsel, they would turn to you. Father, maybe some of us are being convicted of sin. We know we've been saying things, doing things, acting ways we ought not. And we know that you can set us free from those things. Help us, O oh God, to be recipients of your grace and your mercy. Or Father, maybe somebody needs comfort. They're grieving, they're, they're hurting, they're recovering. God, whatever it may be, may you just cover them just like this prayer shawl. Cover them, O oh God, with your peace and your comfort and your love. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, and all we need to do is just place our trust in you. Thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit and of its power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to invite you at this time to stand, and I'm going to invite you to come as we sing a hymn of invitation. If you've never given your life to Jesus, it would be my privilege to pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, it would be my privilege to welcome you and pray with you. Or if you're a Christian and you want to recommit your life to Christ, however the Holy Spirit leads, I'm going to invite you to come as we sing together.
I am so thankful for this, uh, this couple, this family that's come to unite today. I'm going to ask Kyle and Samantha Bibb if you all would come up here beside me. So grateful for uh, quite some time now. The Bibb family have been coming, visiting this church along with their three beautiful children. Uh, they've been very active, very involved. I know Samantha was a big part of the devoted girls' night out registering folks and They've been a, we've been a part of a Bible study discipleship group together praying scriptures over our children. And today is the day they come to unite with this church family. Kyle and Samantha, we welcome you. So grateful that they both know the Lord as their Savior. Uh, they both have been baptized and, and now want to be a part of this church family. We welcome you and know the Lord has led you here. And I know you want to pledge your love and support to Colin and Samantha by letting it be known by saying amen. Amen and applause. We welcome you guys. And I'm going to invite you after the service to join me out in the foyer so folks can just give you a warm welcome to this family of faith. But you're welcome to be seated right now. I have a couple quick announcements. I'm so excited that tonight, uh, what used to be called Harvest for Haiti, now it's called Lifeline Ministry will be here, and we need your help to pack meals for malnutrition or hungry families in Haiti and other parts of the world. It's our goal to pack 7,500 meals tonight in an hour's time, but we can't do it in an hour's time if you're not here. First, I would like to invite any of you uh, men or, or women that feel strong to help unload boxes at uh, 4.30, and then some folks to help me set up some tables in the fellowship hall. So if you're willing to do that, uh, before we start, we'll watch a brief instructional video, and then we'll uh, start packing the meals. But it's a great ministry, and we would love for you. It's a great family event to come and do together. That'll be 6 o'clock tonight in the fellowship hall, 4.30. If you want to come help unload some boxes and set up some tables. Don't forget, again, a prayer meeting this Wednesday night. We always have a great time. Fellowship meal at 5, prayer service in here at 6, and we'd love to have you to be a part. There's also youth and children activities that go on. And tonight, I think we're all going to be together in the fellowship hall, working together uh, through this Lifeline ministry. So I hope you'll come again and be a part. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. I hope that you leave here renewed and encouraged to go out and live a life that's holy and pleasing. At this time, we're going to stand. And Bill, if you would lead us in a closing song, and then I'll have a closing prayer. that your Holy Spirit would always fill this place and fill our lives 
and that the fruits of the Spirit would be evident in how we live and how we treat others. And we thank you for the Bibbs joining today and, and pray, God, if there are other families looking for a church home, that they might found you, find your love and your spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.